brothers and sisters, regular visitors and guests, welcome to church this morning. Also welcome to those of you who aren't able to be with us here in the building this morning but are watching via the live stream. We're thankful that we can be together here to worship God this morning. Our God who, as we're about to sing, is a God of boundless mercy and steadfast love. It's our prayer that we'd be all comforted and encouraged through the preaching of the gospel and that God would be glorified by our worship. This morning we also have the joyful privilege of witnessing 12 young people publicly professing their faith. So uh, a number of announcements this morning. Before we get into the, uh, the announcements from Consistory, there's a reminder for those of us who received the email and a, uh, an encouragement for those who haven't yet. It's really, really important this morning that our mobile phones are switched off or put on flight mode. So I can see a few uh, blank stares. So if you've, if you've got a phone and you don't know how to do that, look for someone probably under 12, close by, and ask them to show you how to do that. It is really, really important because if we don't, it can affect the live stream. So obviously there's a, a bunch of people watching in this morning via the live stream, and we wouldn't want that to be negatively affected. So if you could please take that seriously, that would be much appreciated. The other announcements. Uh, Sister Tamara Bookholt and brother Daniel Vanderwall from the Freeform Church of Byford have indicated their intentions to enter into the married state according to the ordinance of God. They desire to begin this holy state in the name of the Lord and complete it to his glory. If no lawful objections are brought forward, the ceremony will take place, the Lord willing, on Saturday the 10th of December at 10.30am in the Free Reform Church of Byford with Reverend Dirk Poppy officiating. Secondly, several families who have been regular visitors in our congregation have requested to formally join the Free Reformed Church of Southern River. Having considered their motives, as well as their knowledge of scripture and confessions, considered with great thankfulness to the Lord resolved to grant these requests. If no lawful objections are brought forward by the 21st of November, we look forward to the following brothers and sisters publicly professing their faith on Sunday, the 4th of December, in the morning service. Julian and Mary Moon, with Julian also receiving baptism, Brad and Megan Stevens, Kyle and Ashley Peters, and Dylan and Liz Atkinson. Their respective children, Job, Caleb, and Jack Moon, Josh Stevens, Bowden, and Lila Peters. Harley and Callum Atkinson will also be welcomed as members from that day. Following the profession of faith, we'll also be privileged to witness the baptisms of Caleb and Jack Moon, Bowden and Lila Peters, Harley and Callum Atkinson. And these families are all requested to meet with the elders at 7pm tomorrow evening in the consistory room. Consistory with deacons will meet tomorrow at 7.30pm. And Reverend Dirk Poppy will lead the worship service this morning. Before we start this worship service, let's sing together Psalm 92, verse 1 and 2.
Morning, brothers and sisters. Please rise and let's worship the Lord. As God's people, we confess that our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. Amen. Amen. Grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. Amen. Let's sing together a song of praise to our God. Let's sing together from Psalm 27, verses 1, 2, and 3. One of the great gifts that God has given us is he's given us the gift of his law. Through his law, he teaches us how to live in relationship with him. And he also teaches us what it looks like to, to be righteous. Well, let's listen to the laws that comes to us this morning in Exodus chapter 20. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. You or your son, or your daughter, or your male servant, or your female servant, or your livestock, or the sojourner who's within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day, and he made it holy. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder you shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, or his male servant, or his female servant, or his ox, or his donkey, or anything that is your neighbor's. It's really in the law that, that the Lord teaches us. The foundational thing is that we live in a relationship with him, and at core, it means that we love him and that we love the people around us. Our Lord Jesus Christ, he summarized this for us. It was in Matthew 22. One of the teachers of the law came to him, and he asked him, which is the greatest commandment? And Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. 
Let us now sing together. We're going to sing from Psalm 32. We're going to make a confession there that we don't always love God and our neighbors we should. We're going to confess that sin. We're also going to acknowledge how the Lord is willing to forgive and to redeem those who look to him in faith. Psalm 32, verses 1 and 3. Let's pray to God and let's ask God for his blessing. Almighty God and Father in heaven, grateful that once again on this Sunday morning that you bring us together here. Thank you, Lord, that we can have a very special occasion this morning. We get to witness the public profession of faith of 12 young people. Father, we wish to honor you for that. You are the one who, who's created us. You're the one who came into this world to, to reveal yourself to us. You saved us from our sins. You draw us into a relationship with yourself. It's a beautiful thing to know you. We're so thankful that, that these young people have come to a stage where, where they believe in you. 
and they wish to make a, a public profession of the faith that they have in you. Father, we honor you for that. This is a, a great work of your Holy Spirit. We thank you that, that we can meet together as your people, that we can also witness this work in their lives. We thank you for, for giving us the gift of your word, the encouragement of the Bible. It's in your word that you teach us who you are and what you've done for us. You help us to understand how to live in a relationship with you. We pray that for all of us here this morning, Lord. We ask that you help us to know you and to love you and to live in a relationship with you. Or it's possible that there are some people here this morning who don't have a relationship with you. They haven't heard the message of the gospel. They don't believe it. We pray that you'd also grant that through your word this morning, that you would reach into their lives as well, that you show what a great God you are and what, a, what an incredible gift you've given us in your son, Jesus Christ. Please strengthen all of us with the promises of the gospel, that we may believe who you are and what you have done, that we may put our trust in you, and that we may experience your peace and your comfort in our lives. And Father, we confess this morning that we don't necessarily deserve all the good things that you give us. You're so kind and you're so gentle, you're so gracious in your dealings with us. And oftentimes, we don't treat you well and we don't respect that. And so we humble ourselves before you. We've just heard your law, Lord. We just had to sing from Psalm 32. We had to, to make a confession of our sins. Lord, we pray that, that you would help us to realize that you are our shield, that you will protect us, that when we come to you and confess our sins, that you will forgive us for Jesus' sake, and that you will carry us on in life. Please strengthen us with your Holy Spirit that we may believe these things. Lord, please grant that the songs that we sing today can be honoring to you. We ask that, that our hearts can be open to your word. We pray that as we worship you, that the, the thank offerings we bring and also the, the prayers that we offer, that they may truly be pleasing to you, that they come from hearts that are filled with gratitude and that we express our love for you in these ways. Please keep sin and evil far from us. And please hear us, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. So this morning I get to preach God's word to you, and I get to preach to you from Ephesians chapter 6. In Ephesians 6, the Lord tells us about the spiritual warfare that we're involved in, that God has given us his, his weapons to fight against various enemies. And one of the things that's important for us to understand is that when God gives us these weapons, that many times these are things that have already been given to his servant who would come in his name. And so we're going to read together a prophecy from Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 59, and it, it tells us about one of the weapons and how the servant of the Lord used this weapon in order to accomplish God's plans. So we're going to read, I invite you to open your Bible with me to Isaiah chapter 59. So Isaiah 59, you can find that on page 735 of your guest Bible. There God's word says, Behold, the, le the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, or his ear dull that it cannot hear, but your iniquities have, have made a separation between you and your God, 
and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. For your hands are defiled with blood and your fingers with iniquity. Your lips have spoken lies. Your tongue mutters wickedness. No one enters suit justly. No one goes to law honestly. They rely on empty pleas. They speak lies. They conceive mischief and give birth to iniquity. They hatch adder's eggs. They weave the spider's web. He who eats their eggs dies. And from one that is crushed, a viper is hatched. Their webs will not serve as clothing. Men will not cover themselves with what they make. Their works are works of iniquity. And their deeds of violence and deeds of violence are in their hands. Their feet run to evil. And they are swift to shed innocent blood. Their thoughts are thoughts of iniquity. Desolation and destruction are in their highways. The way of peace they do not know, and there is no justice in their paths. They have made their roads crooked. No one who treads on them knows peace. Therefore justice is far from us, and righteousness does not overtake us. We hope for light and behold darkness, and for brightness but we walk in gloom. We grope for the wall like the blind. We grope like those who have no eyes. We stumble at noon, as in the twilight. Among those in full vigor, we are like dead men. We all growl like bears. We moan and moan like doves. We hope for justice, but there is none, for salvation that is far from us. For our transgressions are multiplied before you, and our sins testify against us. For our transgressions are with us, and we know our iniquities, transgressing and denying the Lord, and turning back from following our God, speaking oppression and revolt, conceiving and uttering from, heart, from the heart lying words. Justice is turned back, and righteousness stands far away. For truth has stumbled in the public squares, and uprightness cannot enter. Truth is lacking, and he who departs from evil makes himself a prey. The Lord saw it, and it displeased him that there was no justice. He saw that there was no man, and wondered that there was no one to intercede. Then his own arm brought him salvation, and his righteousness upheld him. He put on righteousness as a breastplate, and a helmet of salvation on his head. He put on garments of vengeance for clothing and wrapped himself in zeal as a cloak. According to their deeds, so will he repay wrath to his adversaries, repayment to his enemies. To the coastlands he will render repayment. So they shall fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. For he will come like a rushing stream which the wind of the Lord drives. And a redeemer will come to Zion to those in Jacob who turn from transgression, declares the Lord. And as for me, this is my covenant with them, says the Lord. My spirit that is upon you and my words that I have put in your mouth shall not depart from your mouth or from the mouth of your offspring or out of the mouth of your children's offspring, says the Lord, from this time forth and forevermore. So far the reading of God's word. 
Let's now sing together. We're going to sing once again from Psalm 27, this time the verses 4, 5, and 6.
For those of you who are members of Southern River, you'll understand the last few weeks we actually looked at the first few verses there. We looked at 10 to 12. So the, the focus this afternoon is going to be especially on the verses 13 to 20. We'll read these verses in context. Ephesians 6, you can find that on page 1163 of your guest Bible. The God's Word says, Finally, be strong in the and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, so that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the, plate of, the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. So far. And after the proclamation of God's word, we're going to sing together from hymn 53, the verses 1 and 2. Dear congregation, loved by the Lord Jesus Christ, today is a pretty special day. This occasion where we have 12 young people of our congregation who are making a public profession of their faith. It's really special. Apostle John, he, he talks about that. It's in 1 John 3. No, sorry. 3 John 1. 3 John 1 verse 3. He says there, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Well, John says that as a pastor of the congregation, he comes back later on, he hears about where they're really at, and it gives him profound joy to see that, that God's people believe and are walking in the truth. It's not only true of John, it's probably even much more so true of, of every parent here this morning, parent of these, these 12 young people. I have no greater joy than that my children are walking in the truth. Well, it's one thing to make a commitment. You're here, young people, you're going to make a public profession of your faith. You profess that you believe in God, that you love him, that you want to commit your whole life to his service, and that you're going to forsake the world and your sinful desires. It's a really big commitment. But it's another thing to actually make it happen. 
What makes it especially hard to make it happen is not just the, the huge commitment, but it's the fact that, that there's enemies that can try to prevent you from fulfilling that commitment. We just read together from Ephesians 6. And in Ephesians 6, the Lord tells us that there is a spiritual war that's going on over our souls. While the Lord gives us the good news of who he is and what he's done for us, God also tells us that there are powerful enemies who are devoted to our destruction. They want to prevent us from fulfilling promises that we have made. The devil and his demons are powerful, malevolent, spiritual beings. They will attack you. They will tempt you. They'll try to deceive you. They'll make you suffer. They'll undermine your faith. So when the Lord Jesus Christ was on this earth in Matthew 10, 32, he talked about the blessing of confessing him. You confess me before men. I will confess you before my Father who is in heaven. Then he also said, he says, that when you confess me, he says, you make an allegiance. And he says, if you do that, then there are going to be many people who oppose you. It's going to happen, Christ says, that you're going to be mocked. You're going to be made fun of. You're going to be taken into court. You're going to be beaten, betrayed, hated, and persecuted. And so young people, that's what you're signing up for. Quite a commitment. Are you going to be able to handle it? Are you going to be able to, to live up to your promises? That's an important question, not just for the youth, but for every one of us here. If you have professed your faith in God, then this is what's going to happen. There's going to be times when your faith is attacked. And the question becomes, will you stand? When you have done all, at the end of the day, are you going to be one of these people who remain standing? Well, God tells us here in our passage, he says, it is possible to remain standing, but he says it's not something you do in your own strength. Paul teaches the Ephesians, he says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. The way you stand at the end of the day is by being strong in the Lord, by looking to the Lord, and by strengthening yourself in God. And then real life, Paul says, you have to realize that you're a soldier and that you're getting into battle. You need to suit up. You need to get ready. You need to realize that you're stepping into warfare. And you need to be prepared for that. Only this time, he says, the warfare, the, the weaponry that you have, it's not a Kevlar vest and it's not an assault rifle. It's not that you have a secure phone and you have night vision goggles. And he says, the weapons that you suit up with are spiritual weapons. They are weapons of God's spirit that he gives to those people who believe in God and that you use in order to maintain your vital connection with Jesus Christ. The only way to stand to the end is if you take up the armor of God and if you put your faith in Jesus Christ. And so I summarize the sermon this morning with this theme, put on the armor of God to stand firm to the end. In the first place, the calling is to use Christ's armor and secondly, to seek Christ's help. Well, how do you stand against these, these cunning 
cruel schemes that the devil launches against you. You know, he's going to do that. It's going to be times where he knows you. He knows your childhood. He knows your character. He knows where you're weak and where you're strong. And he'll find times, he'll find ways, he'll find days when you are weak and then he'll hit you. And he'll hit you hard. And how do you stand in those days? Well, God says the first thing you need to do is you need to pull on the belt of truth. The belt of truth is, is at core the truth about God. Paul prayed for the Ephesians back in chapter 1 that they would know the truth about God. And that's what, what Paul's saying here. You need to arm yourself with that knowledge. So if you go back to Ephesians 1, the truth about God is that Jesus Christ has great power. He has more power than, and then he talks about the spiritual force of darkness, the powers or dominions or authority or any name that can be named. And so the, the foundational truth that you need to, to rely on is the truth that Jesus Christ has the power and that Christ is able to help you. And then on top of that, a little earlier in Ephesians 1, Paul talks about the foundational truth about yourself, not just about who he is, but also about who you are. He tells the Ephesians, he says, you're my children, and I love you, and I've entered into a relationship with you. And he talked about those five things. We talked about it some months ago. You were chosen in Christ. You're someone who's been adopted into God's family. You belong to him. You're a family member. You're redeemed from your sins. God has forgiven you all your sins. You receive the gift of the Holy Spirit as a deposit, and you have a glorious future in store for you. And so in Ephesians 1, the Lord says, this is who you are. Your identity at root is that you're a child of God, and that he loves you, and that he's going to look after you, that you belong to him and to his family. Well, this is the belt of truth. You need to remember these things. When you face trials, when you face difficulties, call to mind who God is and call to mind who you are in Christ. On top of that, the Lord also tells us that he wants us to, to walk in the truth and to speak the truth. It's a little earlier back in Ephesians 4. God calls us there to put away all lying and deceit and to speak the truth in love. Again, the reason that's so important is because the devil, he's a master at lying. That is his native language. We talked about that back in John 8, 44. When the devil speaks, he talks according to his own character, and his own character is deceptive. And so his native language is lying. Well, in contrast with that, the Lord calls you to ground yourself in the truth of the word. Sometimes you're, you're going to hear the lies of the devil. The devil's going to come to you. He's going to tell you that you're useless, or that you're a failure, or that your accomplishments is what makes you valuable, or maybe that you're ugly, or that nobody can ever love you. Well, you hear those lies, it can be tempting to believe it. But God tells you that you're precious. And that he loves you. And that he sent his son to redeem you. And that you belong to him. The Lord calls you to, to be people of truth. 
who speak the truth. When you lie, then you break relationship. Lies always come out. Somehow, some way, somewhere, people figure out if we're lying. And if you lie, and if somebody figures that out, then you have no trust. And if you have no trust, then you have no relationship. Then you're isolated. Then you're estranged. But the Lord calls you to put on the belt of truth, to speak the truth, to believe the truth, to live the truth. It's when you do so that you're spared from Satan's assaults. Well, another way that the devil sometimes tries to attack you is by tempting you to sin so that you're not in a right relationship with God or with the people around you. And that it's really deadly what he does when you do sin. Then he throws it back in your face and he tries to tell you that you're not worthy, that you don't deserve to have a relationship with God. The word devil actually means slanderer or accuser. It's often used of a false accuser. And the word Satan, again, means accuser. That's literally the name Satan. So he's an accuser. That's one of the foundational things he does. When you sin, what he does is he takes those sins and he accuses you of those things. He throws it back in your face. And he says, God could never love you. God's not going to have a relationship with you. You don't deserve God's love. You don't deserve God's grace. You don't deserve his kindness because of the things that you've done. Well, to protect against those attacks, the Lord calls you to put on the breastplate of righteousness. A soldier back then, he he had the belt that held up his his robe, his pants. He had a breastplate. You know, we have a Kevlar vest. Well, he had a breastplate. It was often made of bronze. And this breastplate was of righteousness. In the spiritual war, you need to be righteous. And to be righteous means... At core, it means that you live in a right relationship, first with God and then with other people. And so if you're righteous in a relationship with God, it means that you love God and that you trust him, that you submit to him, that you're willing to serve him in your life. You recognize him as the creator and as the one who who upholds all of life. And you live in an open relationship with him where you you stand in awe of him and you hold him in high regard. Or if you have a right relationship with, with others, let's say you have a right relationship with your parents, it means that you respect your parents, that you obey them, you listen to them, you hold them in high regard. If you have a right relationship with your friends, it means that you're true to your friends, that you're kind and compassionate and truthful, that you consider them, that you take good care of them. Well, God's laws are really beautiful because they teach you how to be righteous. And so when you're, you're called here to put on the breastplate of righteousness, the real calling is to live in healthy, wholesome relationships with God and with the people around you. Now, you know, sometimes we want to do right. We know what God says. We know that a relationship with him is a really precious thing. And we wish to do those things. Sometimes it happens to us that that sin is still a powerful force and we still fail. There's times where where we look back at our past and we've committed some pretty serious sins. Those things are really accusing us. We feel a lot of guilt. Well, the greatest way to put on the breastplate of righteousness 
is to believe in Jesus Christ. It's true that we're sinners. It's true that our lives are often a mess. It's actually, it's interesting in Isaiah 64, in verse 6, it says that, that your, your most righteous acts, they're like filthy rags in God's sight. So the best things that you do in God's sight, they still don't qualify. But the thing to do is you need to remember in those moments that even though you're not righteous, that there is someone who is. You know someone who was righteous. When our Lord Jesus Christ came to this world, he lived a righteous life. He loved God and he lived in an open relationship with him. He trusted his father and he did whatever his father asked him to do. And he lived a righteous life with the people around him. He loved the people around him and he looked after them. He was kind and compassionate. He healed those who were sick. He helped those who who needed him. He cast demons out. He did whatever it took in order to bless the people around him. It's really interesting in in this regard that this is not the first time that God talks about putting on this breastplate of righteousness. We just read a few minutes ago from Isaiah 59. It's quite a confronting passage when you read it. It's really in the first verses there that, that it talks about how God is not listening to his people. He doesn't hear them. And it's not because God can't hear. It's not because he's not willing. But he says, Isaiah 59 verse 2, he says, it's your sins that have separated me from you. You're living in sin. And you're perpetuating that sin. And you don't care about it. You just keep doing it over and over and over again. And I call you out of that, and I, I teach you to be different, and you never change. And so what does God do? He looks down, he sees there's no truth, there's no righteousness. And so in Isaiah 59, verse 16, he says, he saw that there was no man, and he wondered that there was no one to intercede, then his own arm brought him salvation. And his righteousness upheld him. He put on righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation on his head. God's saying here that he sent his servant, his son, to do for us what we have failed to do. Jesus Christ came and he was righteous. He put on this breastplate of righteousness. And so what Paul's really doing here is he's quoting this text from Ephesians, or sorry, from uh, Isaiah 59. And he uses that text to, to teach us not only what we're called to do, what, what God wants for us, how we are to arm ourselves, but at core, he teaches us that there is someone else who's done it for us already. And there's actually a bunch of other passages in Isaiah that refers to with these spiritual weapons of warfare that refer back to the servant of the Lord who's done it on our behalf. And so real life, young people, what he's really saying to you is he's saying, I want you to trust me. I want you to make sure that you're not selfish, that you don't look at pornography, that you don't gossip about others. I want you to to do what's right. And then when you fail, he also says, it doesn't mean I'm going to throw you out right away. If you fail, he says, then you can turn to me in faith and you can ask me for help. And I have sent someone ahead of you who has worn this breastplate of righteousness and who has done it on your behalf. When you make a mess, it's very well possible that the spiritual force of darkness that they throw back in your face. That's often what happens. 
you sin and you carry guilt with you. You don't know if and how you can be forgiven. And the message of God is that Jesus Christ has done for you, that God has forgiven you for Christ's sake. And then you know sometimes it happens that, that you believe in God, but there's people around you who don't. Sometimes that's really hard if it's someone who you know and love dearly. It's a family member. It's a close friend. It's someone at work. You get to know them well. It's really hard to watch the chaos, to see the darkness, to see all the pain and the difficulty that people face in their lives. And the one thing you want in that situation is you want to set them free. You want them to experience what life is like without all that pain. And without all that misery. It's in that regard that the Lord tells us that the next weapon that he gives us is the the gospel of peace. It's really striking. Most of the weaponry that God mentions here is actually defensive. It's something that a soldier wears to defend him from assault. But here the gospel of peace is part of the weaponry that's, that's used on the offensive to attack. Your feet are fitted with the gospel of peace. So you're going to run out against your opponent. And then you, you share the gospel with other people. You tell other people about who God is and what God has done for his people. And it says you share the gospel that people living in darkness, they come into the light. Those who are stumbling about, they can't find their way. Well, they get the light turned on. They get to see the truth about who God is and what God does for his people. Isaiah 52 verse 7 How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of him who bring good news, who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. If you have a young people that you know, others who don't know God, then one of the greatest ways that you can attack the devil, that you can go on the offensive against spiritual force of darkness is by speaking the truth to them, by telling them about who Christ is and what Christ has done for his people. It's amazing to share the hope of the gospel with others. It's incredible to see the change that God loves to work in the hearts and lives of different people. Well, you know, sometimes we face other demonic attacks. Some people face a lot of anxiety, a lot of fear or doubt. Sometimes you face really difficult things, the death of a loved one. We have a friend who leaves the faith. Sometimes the devil attacks you by making you doubt what you know is true about the Bible. Those are, again, really serious assaults. Well, Paul continues in verse 16. He says, In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Take up the shield of faith. God's calling you to believe. To believe in him. To believe in his promises. To believe in his power. To be assured of his love towards you. To be assured of your identity in Christ. It was one of the promises God gave to the the patriarch Abraham. 
God told him Genesis 15, verse 1, Fear not, Abram, I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. You don't have to be afraid because I'm the shield. I will protect you. I will keep you safe. Another way God says that he protects you is with the helmet of salvation. If you know that you belong to Christ, if you know that you're a child of God, then that knowledge of your salvation, that, that's something that's, that's extremely powerful in protecting you against the assaults of the devil. It's back in Ephesians 2, verses 5 to 10, Paul emphasized that we already have been saved as an act of grace. Well, if you live out of that awareness, if you trust that, if you believe in it, then the Lord uses that to protect you from Satan's assaults. Or the other protection that God gives is the gift of his word. He tells us here that the word is the sword of the spirit. It's the means that God uses to defend you against the, the different assaults that you face. If you think, for example, of the life that the Lord Jesus Christ lived, even the Lord Jesus, he's God himself. And yet when he came to this world, he defended himself with the word. He used the word to protect himself against the assaults of the devil. Satan came to him and Satan says, why don't you turn the stone into bread? And Christ quoted from scripture. He says, no, he says, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. And Satan tried two more times. Why don't you throw yourself down from the, from the temple? Or why don't you bow down to me? And two more times, Christ defended himself with the words of scripture. He grounded his life on the truth of the Bible. And he gives us the model for how we stand against spiritual assault. When you're attacked, then you ground yourself in the scriptures. When you face different assaults, different times, different ways, God says you need to open your Bible. You need to read what he says. You need to meditate on the truth that he brings. You need to find your strength in God. The real intention here, young people, brothers and sisters, is that the Lord is teaching us how to live a beautiful life. It's back earlier in his word that, or earlier in this book, that the Apostle Paul, he he tried to spell it out for the Ephesians in a bunch of different ways. He taught the Ephesians what the Christian life looks like. It's a really beautiful book. If you haven't read it, then I encourage you to, to take the opportunity and read through the book of Ephesians because these words, they only actually make sense in the context of the rest of the book. If you go back, the Lord calls us to flee from sin, to get rid of sexual morality and greed and anger and filthy language and gossiping. He calls you to love as he has loved you. He calls you to live in unity with each other. He calls you to use his gifts in service of one another. He wants you to have healthy family relationships. He wants you to share the hope of the gospel with others. Well, he's saying now that Satan and his demons, they're going to be completely opposed to that. They're going to do everything in their power to stop you from living that kind of a lifestyle. But God's telling you here that you can do his will. It is possible to do these things. It says you use the armor that he's given you. It says you look to Christ in faith, that you'll be able to stand up against the devil's assaults. You know, really, that's what it's all about. If you, if you read these verses, there's one word that comes back four times. And it tells us what the goal is. The goal, Paul says, is to stand. 
to stand firm to the end. It's in verse 11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. And he continues in verse 13, therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand an evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth. God's saying you're a soldier and you need to stand your ground. And if you do stand your ground, after everything's done, if you're still standing, then God says, you're victorious, that you're resistant, that you've endured through to the end. Well, young people, if I may ask you to, to think about your own life, I ask you to think about where you're really at with this. 1 Peter 5 verse 8, the devil is a roaring lion seeking whom he can devour. Do you know where he's attacking you? Can you see it in your life? Sometimes you young men, you like playing these video games. If you want to engage in battle, you don't need to turn on your computer. You are in battle. There's a very real war that's going on over your soul. It's really important for you to suit up because God says there's times where it's going to get really hot. You're going to be in a firefight and it's going to be really, really difficult for you. Paul talks about that. Verse 13, you need the whole armor of God so that you may be able to stand in the evil day. There will be an evil day. Peter faced an evil day. Satan asked to sift him like wheat. And Jesus prayed for him. And he endured. Well, God says there will be an evil day for every one of us where we're attacked. The spiritual force of darkness, they come after you. And they want to take you down. And God says the only way to stand is by using the spiritual armor that he provides you that you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and that you suit up with the weaponry that he offers you. That's especially important because God talks about another evil day that is coming upon all of us. He says that near the end of time, that there's going to be a time where Satan will be loosed for a little while. It will be a time of great distress. And God says that during those days, the love of most people will grow cold. Well, the only way to stand firm to the end is if you trained yourself with battle, if you put on, if you're proficient at using the weaponry that God supplies. And you know the most important weapon? Is prayer. You need to pray. And pray and pray and pray. The Lord tells us that we are to engage in the spiritual warfare. But before that, he says, you are to be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. And the way to be strong in the Lord is to ask him for help and to rely upon him. Our Lord Jesus Christ, he promised, John 14, verse 14, if you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. 
If you believe in Jesus Christ, and if you ask him, he says, I'll do it. I will help you. I have the power. I have the authority. I've ascended into heaven, and I can literally do anything. And so if you rely upon me in prayer, if you seek my face, then I will strengthen you, and I will carry you through to the end. And so the Apostle Paul, who works it out in verse 18 and following, he says that we need to be praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Well, to pray in the Spirit, he says we have to pray in the Spirit. To pray in the Spirit means that you seek the Spirit's guidance, that you seek his help and his direction in your life. So that you ask the Lord Jesus for a rich measure of his spirit. You rely upon that spirit as you engage in the spiritual warfare. And Paul says to pray in all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. There's going to be a lot of situations in your life. You're going to face all sorts of different, different trials. And he says on all occasions, with every kind of prayer, you need to come before him. You need to strengthen yourself with the power that he supplies. If you, if you want to get a handle on it, brothers and sisters, if you want to know what that looks like real life, then, then one of the great things that you can do is, is you can read the prayers of the scriptures. If you read the prayer of the Lord Jesus Christ, John 17, you have a real sense of, of how to pray and of what's important in, in prayer. Or you go back to Daniel 9, you have the prayer of Daniel where he confesses the sins of the people to God. Or you go to 1 Kings 8, you have the prayer of, of Solomon when he dedicates the temple. Or if you go back to many of the Psalms, many of the Psalms are prayers to God. God's people are struggling with very real issues in their lives. And it's as they struggle that they bring these things before the throne of grace and the Lord helps them in their lives. Well, young people, it's, it's beautiful to read these prayers, to strengthen yourself with them, to use these words. You'll have good words to speak to God, to seek his help and his, his strength in your life. Well, you'll understand, brothers and sisters, you understand young people that, that being a believer in Jesus Christ, it's, it's not necessarily an easy thing. When you sign up, then, then you're signing up for warfare. You don't often think of that. Most of the time when we do profession of faith, it's a really special day. We have a lot of joy. We celebrate with family members and with friends. And that's just a really beautiful thing that you do that. But the Lord, he gives you this encouragement that stands behind it. You're making a commitment for the rest of your life. And there could be days where it's hard to live up to that commitment. And what God's saying here is he's saying, you don't need to do it on your own. He's saying, I will help you. I will strengthen you. I'll give you what you need to carry you through to the end. So trust Christ's power. Look to him in faith. Use the, the weapons that he has given you. And be assured that he will bring you into glory. He's promised him. He says he's adopted you into his family. And he's chosen you. And it's going to work out for you what he's promised in Christ. So trust the promises and draw strength from him. Amen.
Let's sing together. We sing Psalm, or sorry, hymn 53, the verses 1 and 2. come to the part of the service where we get to witness the public profession of faith of these 12 young people. To that end, we're going to read together the form for public profession of faith. If you wish to follow along, you can find that on page 602 of your book of praise. Beloved in our Lord Jesus Christ, We thank the Lord our God for the grace given us by adopting us to be his children and receiving us into his covenant. We acknowledge his love and power by which he instills in his children the desire to publicly profess their faith in him in the presence of his holy church so that they may receive admission to the Holy Supper. Young people, can I ask you to please rise? Since you have now come here to make this profession before God and his holy church, and hereby to receive admission to the Holy Supper, we ask you to answer sincerely the following questions. First, do you wholeheartedly believe the doctrine of the word of God, summarized in the confessions and taught here in this Christian church? Do you promise, by the grace of God, steadfastly to continue in this doctrine in life and death, rejecting all heresies and errors conflicting with God's word? Second, do you acknowledge God's covenant promises, which have been signified and sealed to you in your baptism? Do you truly detest and humble yourself before God because of your sins and seek your life outside of yourself in Christ Jesus? And third, do you declare 
that you love the Lord God and that it is your heartfelt desire to serve him according to his word, to forsake the world and to crucify your old nature. Fourth, do you firmly resolve to commit your whole life to the Lord's service as a living member of his church? Do you promise to submit willingly to the admonition and discipline, discipline of the church if it should happen and may God graciously prevent, prevent it that you become delinquent in either doctrine or in conduct? Sister Bianca Roth, what is your answer? Brooklyn Klein, what is your answer? Liam Scoof, what is your answer? Cameron Visser, what is your answer? Melanie DeVos, what is your answer? Stacy Oldenberger, what is your answer? Noah Plater, what is your answer? Jed DeVos, what is your answer? Janelle DeBrun, what is your answer? Nicholas Pott, what is your answer? Dylan Kramer, what is your answer? And David Poppy, what is your answer? Well, after you've suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be dominion forever and ever. Amen. Brothers and sisters, you're invited to rise. We're all going to sing together from Psalm 134, verse 3. Let's now call upon the Lord in, in thanksgiving and prayer. In our prayer this morning, we'll also remember a number of members of our congregation. We'll thank the Lord that our brother John Jansen could return home from the hospital once again. We'll ask God to continue to sustain our brother. We're also grateful that the Lord has allowed our brother Hank Plug to return home. He's had a lot of episodes this past week, but gratefully, the Lord's been good to him the last few days, and, and that's gone better. Bless the Lord that he continued to sustain our brother John Mahoney who's still in the hospital. Also our sister Rita Cosinson, she's recovering after a fall. And we also remember our sister Margaret Cooper. Um, she heard the news that her mother, that's her sister Hart in Albany, passed away yesterday. So ask the Lord to, to also comfort our sister. Let's call upon the Lord in thanksgiving and prayer. Almighty God and Father in heaven, we thank and praise you that you're God who redeems your people. We honor you, Lord, that, that you sent your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, into this world to do for us what we failed to do. You gave your people the, the calling to live in righteousness before you, 
to love you and to, to trust you, to live their lives in service before you, to walk according to your commandments. You gave them your very good law. And you taught them to live a, a holy life, a righteous life, a beautiful life in fellowship with you and with the people around them. And then, Lord, it, it saddened you immensely that when you looked around, then you, you saw among your people that there was so much sin, that these people hated each other, and they lied to each other, and they stole from one another, and they murdered one another, and they did all the things that you forbade them to do. And then, Lord, when you, when you realized that there's no one who could do it of himself, then you sent your son to do it for us. Thank you that your own arm works salvation. And thank you that you sent Jesus Christ into this world, that he lived the righteous life, and that he bore the punishment for all our sins. Father, we thank you that we can look to you in faith. And as we turn to you and rely upon you, that you're willing to strengthen us, and that you're willing to bring us into glory. We thank you, Father, that you have given faith to these 12 young people here this morning. Lord, for us as families, it's a beautiful thing. For us as a congregation, our hearts are filled with joy. We are so grateful that you have that you bless these young people so that they could know you, that they trust you, that they believe in you. We thank you, Lord, that they've grown up in Christian families. And we thank you that they could be educated together in a Christian school. We thank you that as a community that we could surround them with a lot of love and kindness. And we thank you, Lord, that you that you worked in their hearts with your Holy Spirit, that they could believe in you and expect their help from you. Father, we pray that you would strengthen them in their spiritual life. We ask that they would grow to know you more and more, that they would continue to search your word and to walk closely with you, and that they would be protected from the devil's assaults. Please equip them with wisdom so that they understand how to live and how to walk in righteousness before you. Please help them to make good decisions in their lives where they surround themselves with other godly people, where they indeed forsake the world and where they, they pursue what is lovely, what is excellent, what is praiseworthy, what is beautiful in your sight. Father, we pray that you would please help them in the difficult times of life. We know that there will be hard times. We know that, that we're sinners and that we bring a lot of guilt upon ourselves. And sometimes we really struggle with that guilt. And we know that there's a lot of people who are opposed to you. And there may be times where, we are, where we're mocked or made fun of because of our faith. There may be times where we're attacked. Where other people, they, they deny us jobs or they fire us. Or maybe they, they, they threaten to sue us. Or maybe they even threaten to harm us. Father, if that ever happens, we pray that you would give us strength, that you would help also these young people to remain faithful to you. We ask, Lord, that, that when they face doubt, that you would strengthen them, that when they face fear or anxiety, that you would give them peace, that when they face hardship in life, that you would give them a rich measure of your spirit, that they endure it and that they're steadfast through it. Father, thank you for your promises that Jesus Christ has all the power and he's willing to give us all that we need. We pray also for these young people that they may have intimate lives of prayer with you where on a daily basis they draw near to your throne of grace where they understand their need 
where they seek your face and where they receive your grace. Father, we pray that you do this for all of us here today, that we may grow in a relationship with you, that we pursue you in prayer, and that we grow in using your word to guide and, and to direct our lives. And we thank you, Lord, that, that at the end of the day, our salvation is not our own work, but that this is something that you give us as a gift of grace. We thank you for the promise that we could just hear from 1 Peter 5, after telling us about the devil who is a roaring lion seeking whom he can devour, then we're also told that our Lord Jesus Christ will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish us. Father, we wish to give you the praise because yours is the dominion forever and ever. We also pray then, Lord, that you be near to those in our congregation who face various difficulties. Please be to our brother John Jensen and our brother Hank Plug and our brother John Mahoney, who are under doctor's care. We ask, Father, that you bless the work of the doctors so that they know how to best help our brothers. We pray, Lord, that you would please grant that, that in the evil day that they face, in the hardships that they face, that they may, rem they may remain faithful before you, that they build their lives on the promises that you've extended to them, that they receive your comfort and that it may go well for, you, for them. Thank you, Lord, that they've done so. And we pray that this may continue in their lives. We also pray for our sister Rita Cousinson. We ask that you bless her, that she may indeed recover after the fall that she had. And then we also ask, Lord, that you be with our sister Margaret Cooper, that you comfort her after the death of her mother. Lord, it's often when we face death, the death of a loved one, that's when the devil also seeks to attack us. We ask that we may be strengthened and comforted with the promises of the gospel. We thank you that death is not the end, but that you have overcome death, that Jesus Christ rose again, and he promises us a glorious future together with you. Help us to remember these promises and grant, Lord, that we be comforted in the midst of our grieving. Father, we also pray that you take care of each one of us in the various circumstances of our lives. Lord, you know each one of us. You know how, how our allegiance to you is being challenged. You know the the spiritual struggles that we face. Each one of us is different. Each one has a different family background, different history. We've committed different sins. We have different besetting sins. We're in a different place. But your provision is sufficient for all of us. And so we ask that you would help us, and that you carry us through, that you strengthen us, and that you give us the joy of faith and the hope of faith. Help us to have a lot of joy in life. Help us to realize that, that we... We will make it through to the end because of the promises that you've extended in Jesus Christ. Lord, we ask also that you would please give us a lot of joy as family members and friends as we celebrate this day. Please bless the fellowship that we may have together. We also pray, Lord, that you take care of, of the others in our church who need you in other ways. We think especially at this time of the, the pregnant, the expecting mothers in our congregation. Father, please be a father to them, and if it's your will in due time, we ask that, that healthy children can be born and that everything can go well. I also wish to pray, Father, that you, you bless us as Christians within our society. We face a lot of attacks in different ways. I want to ask that you would preserve us, that we may be faithful to you, no matter what the situation. To this end, we also pray for a blessing over the work of the Association of Reformed Political Action. Father, we're thankful for the work that they do, and we want to ask that you would Please strengthen them for the task. Please provide another research officer for them so that together there may be, 
beautiful work that's done in encouraging us as your people to live and walk by faith. And then especially, Lord, we, we pray that you would please protect us against, against attack also in our schools. Here locally, our government is, is thinking about passing laws that we can't give preference in our hiring to, to people from, from our own background. And we ask, Lord, that you would please bring these plans to nothing. Would you please protect the, the freedoms that we have to employ godly teachers to teach the next generation of students who you are and what you have done. Father, you have the power. And no matter what the attacks we face, you're able to help us. And even if it happens, Lord, that, that we live in a culture that's radically opposed to you and your word, you've shown us, you've told us over and over again how you can still preserve your people in the midst of that. And so, Lord, we have this great confidence within our hearts that no matter what happens, that you are our God and that we are your people, that you will accomplish what you set to do, and you will bring your children into glory. Thank you for your love for us, and thank you for your grace in Christ. It is in his name that we pray. Amen. Brothers and sisters, one of the gifts we now have is we have the opportunity to give our thank offerings to the Lord. We have this, this opportunity to show God our love for him with the thank offerings. The collection this morning is going to be for the Ministry of Mercy and specifically for the work that's being done by Pindari. It's in 1 Corinthians 16 that the Lord, he teaches us something about some of our giving. He tells us 1 Corinthians 16 verse 2, on the first day of every week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up as he may prosper so that there will be no collecting when I come. And then when I arrive, I will send those whom you accredit by letter to carry your gift to Jerusalem. So the Apostle Paul is encouraging the Corinthians to set aside something for giving so that he can take their gift to Jerusalem and to help those in need in Jerusalem. And then it's really beautiful. It's in the next letter that, that he thanks and praises God for the giving that the people do. It's in 2 Corinthians 6 verse 7. He says, each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God, lit, God loves a cheerful giver. You may cheerfully give to the Lord for his gifts of mercy towards us. After the collection, we're going to sing together from hymn 53, verses 3 and 4.
receive now the blessing of the Lord, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Can I invite you all to please be seated? One of the uh, delightful customs that we have here in Southern River is when these young people make a public profession of faith, that we invite them up to the front and we, um, we give them a book. And really grateful that you've chosen the book. One of the joys is also reading out a text that your, uh, your parents have written for you. So you're not sitting alphabetically. And thankfully, I remembered all of your names. I know your names, but something, when you stand up at the front, one way my nervousness comes out sometimes is that in the most critical moment, I forget someone's name. So the worst was when a brother back in Houston, he was going to be ordained into office. And brother, uh, brother, uh, brother, (laughs) and he told me his name, so he could be ordained. Well, I remembered all your names. This time we're going to do it alphabetically. So, Janelda, you're first. Janelda, the text that your parents have have written for you is Philippians 4, verse 13. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Congratulations. We got the alphabet right, then Jed, you're next. Jed, the text that your parents have chosen for you is Romans 12, verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Congratulations. Mel, maybe if I can ask you just to come forward. Mel, the text that your parents have chosen is Psalm 61, verses 4 and 5. Let me dwell in your tent forever. Let me take refuge under the shelter of your wings. For you, O God, have heard my vows. You have given me the heritage of those who fear your name. Congratulations. Brooklyn. Brooklyn, mom and dad have chosen Proverbs 3, verses 13 to 16. Blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding, for the gain from her is better than gain from silver and her profit better than gold. She is more precious than jewels and nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand. In her left hand are riches and honor. Congratulations. Next, we have Dylan. Dylan, your parents have chosen for you Hebrews 10, verse 23 to 25. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir one another 
up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So congratulations. Next is Noah. Noah, you're up. Oh, no, I guess Stacy, you're supposed to be next. Oh, well. Noah, the passage is Colossians 1, verse 9 to 12. We have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. Congratulations. David. David, your mom and I have chosen Jeremiah 9, 23 to 24. Thus says the Lord, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom, let not the mighty man boast in his might, let not the rich man boast in his riches, but let him who boasts, boast in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord, who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. Congratulations, son. Nicholas. Nicholas in Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6. There it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. Congratulations. Now, Stacy, I don't know what happened, but... Oh, here you are. Stacy. Stacy, mom and dad have chosen Joshua 1, verse 9. There it says... Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Congratulations. Bianca? Bianca in Psalm 66, verse 19 and 20. There God says, but truly, God has listened. He has attended to the voice of my prayer. Blessed be God, because he has not rejected my prayer or removed his steadfast love from me. From your parents. Congratulations. Also. Liam. Liam, your parents have chosen 1 Corinthians 16, verse 13 and 14. Watch, stand fast in the faith, be brave, be strong. Let all that you do be done with love. Congratulations. And finally, Cameron. Cameron, your parents have chosen for you Deuteronomy 31, verse 6. Be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them. For it is the Lord your God who goes with you. 
He will not leave you or forsake you. Congratulations. Brothers and sisters, what a lot of blessing, what a lot of joy that the Lord has given to us. We're so special that we have these young people who've made a public profession of their faith. Caleb, I haven't asked. Um, can we sing, can we end off singing hymn eight? Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Let us praise the Lord for the great blessing that he gives. Welcome to come up and congratulate.